once again. And uh, before we get into the, the message, I'm going to ask last year's winning leaders to come up. And if you look around all of our previous youth camps, we've got our championship banners. And um, it's tradition that they unfurl their, their championship banner the year after. All right. So last year, who was it that won? Who? Was it Aztecs? So, so at the beginning of, the, of camp last year, we started with four teams. And then in the middle of the camp, we had a bit of a plot twist. Two teams got taken over by the top two teams. All right, so they combined to make the winning team, okay? So uh, it was Aztecs and subtitle Incans, all right? So, <laughs> all right, so uh, go ahead, guys. I'm not sure how you use that, but you can go ahead. And... All right, let's cheer them on as they... Um, they... Other, other string probably, I just, I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing, I'm not sure, <laughs> uh, the, just go, <laughs> it got tangled, oh and it, bro- it broke, wow, oh look at that. All right. Well, we're off to a great start, aren't we? All right, let's give him a round of applause anyway. Uh, I, I noticed that on the banner there that the Incans got in before the Aztecs. Look, notice that Incans slash Aztecs. Someone, someone paid off the banner maker. All right, so oh, that'll work. That'll work. All right, Brother Alton, that, that'll work. You'll just have to win again this year. All right, that'll work, that'll work. You know who won. All right, so um, each year we play for the, uh, for the Titus Cup. And so once again, this year that's up for grabs. And just a bit of history, um, youth camp has never been won three years in a row by the same leader. Now, Brother Alton has the has the chance to do that. He's won it two years in a row. So he could make history this year with his team. Not that, not that the other leaders are going to lay aside and give it to him, right? Right? You guys are going to fight it out. But I'm glad that, uh, that we can just have a bit of fun. But you know that these banners are really not just representative of the, the teams, but we've got the themes on them. Just some things where, just a good reminder, memorial for all of our young people. We display this uh, throughout the, the camp, just so they see where they were at. Maybe their first camp, maybe they were part of the winning team. But certainly corresponding to that were some decisions that they made. And um, some decisions that they've carried through, some not so much perhaps. But either way, it's convicting. Either way, it's a good reminder. And that's why we, we put in the effort uh, every year to try to uh, remind our young people about uh, what the Lord's done in their lives. And this year is no different. We want to continue that. It, of course, as a church, it's our 25th year as a, as a, as a ministry, and we want to just continue to, to, uh, to ensure that the faith as the Lord tarries continues to be passed on. And I just believe that, that having a time like this, like youth camp, is a big part of that. 
And so we're going to turn our Bibles to Psalm chapter 60 this evening, Psalm chapter 60. And the, the, the whole thought this, uh, this, this year is about spiritual warfare, coming, uh, coming together to fight the, the good fight, coming together and, and assembling to be able to, uh, to join forces, to be able to fight against the, uh, the war that's been raging on for, uh, for millennia. And we want to challenge our young people about uh, this idea of standing up for the Lord, of, of doing heroic deeds for God. And I think our young people, they're, you know, they're, they're looking in, in, in our society and, and culture puts in front of them different kinds of heroes. You know, that word hero gets banded around pretty, uh, pretty loosely today. And, you know, it just seems like if, if someone does uh, any kind of amazing feat that, that suddenly they're labeled a hero. Uh, if they've achieved a certain thing, they, they're, uh, they're called a hero. And I think um, our young people, they're looking for heroes. And certainly as we think about, uh, think about the different characters in the Bible, we can see uh, somewhat heroic deeds. Uh, we can find some characteristics of people that we can attribute to, uh, to a hero. And so we, we're going to read this, this chapter here, um, just really just one verse, and we're going we're gonna to explain and talk a little bit about that, this, uh, this, uh, this passage of Scripture. But look at verse 12. Notice there, through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. And that word valiant is, a, is the word we're going to focus on. But that word valiant simply means this, possessing or showing courage or determination. It's, it means being vigorous in strength. And, um, and here there's a declaration at the end that they are going to do valiantly through God. And, and really the challenge for us tonight as we begin camp is, is this idea that, that we need young men and young ladies of this generation to do heroically and to do valiantly for the Lord their God. That's the challenge. As we get into the, the time, you know, we, we can read through history and we, look, we can look at heroic deeds, some that have been penned down even in, in the Word of God, some that have, penned down, have been penned down in other ancient literature, some that are, are more contemporary, some that are in our current situations we hear of different things. And, and you know, the, heroism and all of that's nothing new. Uh, we see it. We, we see it labeled all around us. And sometimes heroism comes, comes as a, uh, out of a necessity to undertake something. Um, I, I remember growing up, uh, obviously I wasn't always married, and uh, my sister and John weren't always married. And I remember when they started dating, and I asked permission, all right, before I, before I'm, I use this illustration, but, uh, but John was courting my sister, Irene, all right? And we were, John and I were close, and so he told me, and, you know, I was a bit like, really? Irene? And, um, and I, I figured the only reason, uh, the only reason yeah, he would have had any interest in Irene was she, she looked so much like me. But, um, uh, and several of you, I understand, agree with that. But um, I remember, you know, John, he's, he was, he's my best friend. So we, we grew up, you know, we, we grew up very close. And, and I just, uh, I remember him when he started to date Irene, how much he, he, how much he wanted to impress my parents. 
and he was trying, you know, the guy was trying. But, you know, my parents, first daughter, I, I sort of understand, okay, but first daughter, and, and so they, they, were, they were pretty hard. I have to admit, they were pretty hard. And, you know, John was trying everything. He was, he was, he was trying to be, he was always polite, courteous. He was serving in church and all of that, all of those good things. And, and my parents were looking at him like, yeah, keep trying, right? And they, they, they kept him going. And then, you know, it just seemed like, it just seemed like everything he did, it just fell short, perhaps. And he was a bit like, oh, what, what am I doing? And then one day, things changed. And it just got to this point. And one day, uh, I remember this story. I, I wasn't around. I was uh, elsewhere. But um, John got a phone call from Irene. And she was on the train. And someone, while she was sitting there, had taken her bag. So she was coming home from work. And she was just riding home. She had her bag uh, tucked under her arm. And someone came from behind her and, and pulled it off. So, you know, she calls John. And here comes John, you know, he, he suddenly got, got possessed with all of this mighty strength. Suddenly this courage overcame him and he came bolting where, from wherever he was. He came driving to Seven Hill Station. And there he met Irene and, and she pointed the guys out and John took off like a jackrabbit, just like a flash, you know. And he took after them, he jumped three fences chasing these guys. How dare they take... My sweet Irene's bag. <laughs> oh, they were going to pay for it. And, you know, uh, I remember, uh, you know, after that, um, and I'm not sure, I, uh, did he recover the bag? Maybe, probably. But he, he, he was able to chase him away, and Irene was like, oh, John, what a hero. <laughs> That's not really what happened. If you know my sister Irene, like, good, you should have done that. Yeah. But I remember from that point, because of that heroic deed, my parents were like, oh, John, well, you know, well, yeah, you, yeah, right, bless you. you know, like, and, and it took that, and, and, you know, sometimes out of necessity, there has to be a heroic deed performed. And I want to say that to our young people in this time and in this hour, we need some of you to stand up, and in fact, we need all of you to stand up and do valiantly for the Lord your God. You know, out of necessity, we have this time where, where there's such a need and such a crisis of faith that we need you to stand up and make your lives count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of necessity, I want to I challenge you this week to, to be more fervent and more passionate and, and more locked in to the things of God than you have ever have been before. And, and the, the alarm of the time that we live in, I hope that you hear it. I hope that you get up and, and you understand that you have this time and this time only to do valiantly for the Lord your God. And, and there is a need for us today to be challenged about this again. And, and what this generation is calling for in particular are for some who will be valiant for God. Uh, we need some young men who will take the fight to the enemy. We need some young ladies who will greatly sac gratefully sacrifice their time and energy for the sake of the gospel. We need young men who will have the spirit of heroism when there are none to fill the gap. We need ladies who will say yes to God and no to the fashions of the world. Yes, we are in warfare. And we are in grave need of valiant men and women who will do valiantly for the Lord their God. And we know David was such a man. 
he was a, a one who was valiant for the Lord his God. And in this psalm, David is recounting the situation he faced when he fought against Edom in 2 Samuel chapter 8. In the psalm, he recounts what he and his mighty men did in winning a victory for the Lord. And in fact, it recorded here that in, in 2, psalm, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 8, that the, the, the army, the, the mighty men that was with him, they slew 18,000 men. Here in the, in the introduction to this uh, great psalm, we see that, that, uh, in that under the hand of his general Job himself, there were 12,000. And we understand that, that these were mighty men, but God called them. He said, through God we shall do valiantly. For He it is, He it is that shall tread down our enemies. And I want to challenge you about that thought of doing valiantly. And we, as we study David a, a bit, and, and perhaps some others in the Scriptures tonight, well, we're going to note that there are certain characteristics that, 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 that we can learn from them and how to be valiant. And I believe these are the characteristics that we're going to learn and I want to challenge our young people about. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time. And Father in heaven, thank you again for your grace and your mercy. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity tonight to uh, be able, Lord, to, uh, Lord, to gather together, to, to enjoy our time together. But then, Lord, to be challenged as, as we open your word. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, you still give us an opportunity, uh, dear God, in this time, uh, Lord, to be able to advance your work and to be able, Lord, to, uh, to, to fight a good warfare. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, impress upon our hearts, impress upon the young people's hearts a need, uh, Lord, for, for all of them to take their place, to take arms, to, to do valiantly for you. And I pray that you would learn those things this evening uh, through your word in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And, and I want you to note firstly that a true hero, someone who will do valiantly for the Lord, realizes that his or her power is not in his or herself. Their power is not in them. And notice the, the psalm again, and we, we didn't read the whole thing, but we see here that through God will we do valiantly, for He it is. It's Him that will, will cause us to be victorious. He shall tread down His enemies. Uh, later on, we, we note in Psalm 62, verse 11, God hath spoken once, twice, have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. And, and I want to I say firstly this evening that, that your, 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 you being valiant has nothing to do with, with a reliance on yourself, with, with your skills and your abilities. It, it has no, nothing to do with those things that you you. you find yourself perhaps lacking. It's got nothing to do with those things that you are unable to do. Why? Because we do this through God. It's not a reliance on self. Our, our powers don't come from ourselves. The, the power that we need to be able to undertake such valiant, heroic deeds for God, it, it can't come from our own strength. It's got to come by relying on the power of God in our lives. It can't just be us uh, th thinking through and strategizing some ways. It's got to be with the favor and blessing of God. You know, we so often find ourselves as, as just as people, not really submitted to God. And therefore, as a result, we are then reliant upon our own strength and our own wisdom. Uh, an author said this, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to Him. The last couple of weeks, we've spoken 
a little bit about a, a person in history, D.L. Moody. And one of the things that was, was evident about D.L. Moody as an evangelist, a, a man who God used to shake two continents for the cause of Christ, was this, he was submitted to God. It wasn't that, that Moody was some great orator. In fact, if you know a little bit about Moody, he never finished school. He, he couldn't speak properly. He, he had poor grammar. He wasn't someone that you could, you could readily just, uh, just take notes from his, uh, from his message and make any, any kind of logical sense from it. But it was evident that he had the power of God upon his life. It was evident that as he spoke, that he had, uh, he had uh, no reliance on his own ability to speak but he had the power of God upon him. And it was said about Moody that as he heard a message one time, that the message was being challenged to the congregation. And the man said something along the lines of this, you know, the world has never seen what someone could do who was fully surrendered to God. And it was said about Moody that that day he surrendered and he says, I will be that man. And there's some here this, uh, this evening who perhaps in the situation of their life and, and maybe a young person, you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, well, I have not much to offer God. Well, uh, uh, you know, I don't sing as well as those that came up. Well, I don't speak so well as uh, that other person. Well, I don't have the physical attributes. Well, I don't have the kind of upbringing. Well, there's some things that I lack. But I want to say to you tonight, God was never about your ability. It was about our submission and our surrender and our need to be submitted to a mighty God. And if you're going to do valiantly for God, young people, you're going to need to be submitted. You're going to be surrendered. If you're going to do valiantly for God, you're going to need to be surrendered to Him, and you're going to need to rely on His power and His strength. See, the Bible tells us, even in our warfare, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, means it's not those things that we see, but mighty through God. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, in the, in the first place, if you had everything, if you had everything at your command, sure, you might have some modicum and measure of success. You might even do some sort of exploits. And, but, you know, you're, you'll never fully do what God is able to do. If you're not surrendered, you might have everything but, you know, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, that great chapter on the gospel, and by the way, if you're here this evening and you're saved, this is you. You have this. And he says this, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory, not through our own strength, but through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I want to say to you uh, this, this evening, that, that too many times we, we fall short of what God is, can actually do in our lives because we're too trusting in ourselves. We're just looking at our own strength or our own limitations, and we're not surrendered completely to God. No, no He's not looking for someone who's halfway surrendered. He's not looking for someone who's somewhat surrendered. No, He's looking for someone, if you will do valiantly, who will be fully surrendered to God. Is that you this, uh, this evening? Uh, young, pe young person, is that you this evening? Are you surrendered to God? You know, those things that you have planned for your future, those things that you wish uh, would, be, uh, would, be, would come true in your life, those things that, that you're dreaming of, have you surrendered those things to God? H have you laid them before the altar? Have you submitted them 
to God. You know, many times we, again, we look at, look at different people in history. We look at different people who surround us and, you know, we look at and we, we sort of go, well, I wish we could be like that. But, you know, even those with, with great power can, can become undone when they don't have any reliance on God. You know who's a, an example of this? You know, Samson. Samson had, uh, had, had amazing strength. God gifted him some su- supernatural strength. You know, Samson, he used his two bare hands to rip apart a lion. Some of you can't even rip apart ten pieces of paper. All right, you, 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 you ever tried to rip, out, uh, rip apart, and, and this is going to age me a bit, the yellow pages? Some of you are like, what? Isn't that a website? I know, or I'll show you one in the museum later on. But if you, you try to rip apart some, something and it's, it's hard, listen, Samson ripped apart a lion with his bare hands. Uh, he carried a city's gates. Can you imagine some guy, you know, you ever see those, those guys that overpack? You're going to see them tomorrow, all right? But there's guys that overpack for camp, and they're trying to carry all their bags, you know, three of them to their room, and they're, they're struggling, they're sweating, and, and you know, there's, there's no weight limit, so they figured, let's just bring my whole thing, right, my whole room. And they struggle. Can you imagine some guy? He said, you know, you, you've taken three bags, and then he goes, oh, wait, I forgot in the city gates. <laughs> and he just carries it on his back. That was Samson. He, he, car- he, he had tremendous strength. And yet, at the end of his life, he allowed those fleshly things. He, he surrendered himself to those fleshly things. And, and here at the end of his life in Judges 16, 20, you know the story, she, he, he was there with Delilah. She deceived him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And you know the story, he had the vow of the Nazarite and he, she, she sheared her, his head, he took off all his hair, and he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before. And shake myself. And notice the verse. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even know. He, he was so far gone. He was so away from God. He didn't even realize God was no longer with him. And, and you understand that that's really got to do with surrender. You know, Samson had, had tremendous potential to prolong a peace in Israel. You know, the, the story of Judges was this, this pattern of ups and downs in the history of the nation. And whenever they went too bad, God sent judges. And, and God sent a judge by the name of Samson to be able to, to, uh, to rescue his people. And yet, and yet we see him at the end. And, and listen, I, I think of the word potential. You know, many of you, many in, in history has had the potential to do something great for God great in their calling, and yet because of their lack of surrender, they never totally fulfilled the potential that God had for them. They went after other things, and and they're now in the annals of history, a footnote of what could have been, and we don't know till eternity. We don't know what, who we have in front of us right now. We won't know till history is done. But I can hasten to say, I, I, can, I can sort of guess and, and, and hope that there'd be some here that God would use in a great way. And you know, it's not going to be your ability. 
It's going to be your surrender. It's going to be your surrender to God. And so the, the first place, it's surrender. Um, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, look at Hebrews 11. And we'll turn to different passages of Scripture tonight, if you don't mind. Hebrews 11. And we know this, this, uh, this great chapter, chapter of, the, uh, of, of faith, the heroes of faith. And, and we won't go through the whole list. It, it, great study. But notice verses 32 to 34. And what shall I, say, I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David and also of Samuel and of the prophets, who wrought through faith, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And notice there, who through faith subdued kingdoms, who through faith were valiant in fight. And in part of this package of, of doing valiantly for the Lord is that we would do so by faith. You know, part of that surrender is we do it by faith. You know, when you surrender, you don't, you don't, you don't have full control. In fact, you have no control of what tomorrow is going to hold. But that's faith. Faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And, and young people, listen, some of the, the fear factor sometimes of, of surrendering to God is what does that mean? What will that entail? Does that mean I'm going to wake up one day in a foreign field and I have, you know, all those things that seem to be my comforts are all gone? Does that mean then that I have to do this and that? And, and listen, God has a perfect plan for every one of us. And He might call you to a foreign field. He might call you to preach. He might call you, though, to, to be a husband or a wife who works a job, who's faithful in their local church, who will raise up children for the glory of God. He might call you to different things. But listen, that's the whole point of surrender. You're giving your life over to one who knows. And it's by faith. It's only through faith. And we could go through the list here in Hebrews chapter 11, but over and over again, by faith, through faith. And listen, I want to challenge you not to look at your life with fear, but do valiantly and go by faith. Some of you, I, I just believe that there's a, there's a calling on you young men uh, to, to be used of God, to preach the Word of God. There's some of you who uh, God has called to, uh, to uh, the, the, the life of an entrepreneur perhaps who uh, could make money to support the work of the ministry. You've got to be surrendered though, whatever the case. And, and, and listen, you have to understand that if you're going to do valiantly, someone who's going to do valiantly, they're going to need to do so realizing it's not through their own power. Realizing that they've got to be submitted and surrendered to God. But then notice the next thing. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 19. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 19. And here we find David and his men 
And if you know a little bit about David, he developed a group, the Mighty Men. And there they were. They were in the middle of warfare once again. And notice verse 8 with me. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all of the hosts of the Mighty Men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array before the gate of the city. And the kings that were come were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him before, before and behind, he chose out of all the choice of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered unto the hand of Abishai his brother. And they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will help thee. Be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly. Notice this, for our people and for the cities of our God. And let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. So Joab and the people that were with him drew nigh before the Syrians unto the battle, and they fled before him. They were, they were in a pretty seemingly defeated situation. They, had them, they were surrounded. They were surrounded and outnumbered. And yet the thing that drove them to do valiantly was this wasn't for them. It was for the people and it was for their God. And here's the next thing about doing valiantly. If we're going to do valiantly for the Lord, we're going to, we're going to have to live, not live for ourselves, but live for others. You know, heroism, it's never celebrated when it deals with doing something for your own self. Too many, too many times we, we are motivated by self. This will advance me. This will do this for me. But doing valiantly, it has a foundational concept of helping others. Are you for others, young people? You know, when you look around, do you, do you see the need that others have? Do you look around and, and see that, that others need a hand, others need help? The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And we can look at the example once again of our Savior who willingly sacrificed Himself, who willingly laid down His life for the good of those that had, had uh, sinned against Him. And, and what I'm saying is a true hero, someone who'll do valiantly, doesn't live for him or herself. They live for others. You know, you know who I see as a true hero? I see fathers who work, who do the job to provide for their family. They don't necessarily enjoy the job. They don't necessarily, uh, they, they don't necessarily uh, feel like it's just that that's the thing that they need to, the, that they want to do, but they do it. You know why? Because they're doing it for their family. They're doing it for their children, for that that wife that God has called them to, provi to provide for. That's a hero. You know, sometimes we look at uh, heroism like, you know, as long as they've, they've got some sort of a, a charisma or some sort of achievement. But listen, there's everyday heroes all around us. I look at the hero who, who will walk around and because there's a need uh, to, to serve God in, in their local church, will sacrifice their time, will sacrifice their talent, will sacrifice their treasure to get to church after a hard day's work. And you know, sometimes we hear, we hear young people complain that it's too much for them. And, and again, I don't know your situation, 
But sometimes we put too many excuses in front of something. You know why? Because we're living for self. We're not living for others. We're not living for the cause of Christ like we spoke about this morning. And too many times we, we don't do valiantly for God. Why? Because our, our own goals and our own will and our selfish ambitions, they're in the way. They're in the way. But a, a true hero, someone who will do valiantly, will, won't, live for, won't live for himself, but will live for others. He said that in Mark 8.34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. And I'm glad for those that, that go through each day, and they're not living for themselves. They're living for the cause of Christ. They're living for others. But then lastly, and really quickly, a true hero, someone who do valiantly, he'll work with others to accomplish a greater task. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 14, and, and we'll turn to several more here just to, to show you here. 1 Samuel chapter 14. And notice verses, um, verses 46 to 52. And here we see Saul. Um, Saul was, was still the king. He, had, uh, he was leading still the nation. And so he, he gathers a certain group of people to help. Then Saul sent from, uh, went up from following the Philistines. And the Philistines went to their own places. So Saul took the kingdom over Israel. And fought against all the enemies on every side, against Moab, against the children of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines, and whithersoever he turned himself, he vexed them. So there was warfare around, and he gathered an host and smote the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of them that spoiled them. Now the sons of Saul were, were Jonathan and Ishui, Melchishua, and the names of his two daughters, and they were Merab and the name of the younger Michael. And so he goes and... and Notice this in verse 52, and there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him unto him. And so Saul was looking for a particular group that will work together. And so these valiant men, they would come and, and he would take them under and, and they would come together for the fight. Uh, we note later on in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, when, when David came before um, before Saul to play the, the harp, that he was one of those valiant men. That the recommendation of his, uh, of, of his advisor there to Saul was, you know, there's that son, the son of Jesse, who's a valiant man. And so there was something about David that, 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 that was included in that. But here's the point I'm trying to make. If we're going to do valiantly, we're going to need to work with others to accomplish a greater task. You know, there's, there's not, no real... Uh, there's no real thing in, in Christianity that it's just you. Here's how I know that God gave us a local church. He gave us a local church. He, he gave us a group to belong to where we will work together. And God gave us uh, this thing of synergy, of, of working together. And I think you understand synergy. It's when, uh, when we combine the powers of, of, of several things and those combined are greater than the sum of their parts. So, for example, if there was a, a horse that could pull um, 100, 100 kilograms, it's not a very good horse, is it? But um, 
a horse who could pull that load and then you added a horse that could pull 150, the sum of it, when they get together, they can pull much greater than the 250. They, they can probably pull uh, up, to, uh, up to 400 kilograms or so. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to demonstrate. But, that, but he, here's how it is. And um, I want to get my uh, assistance here. Imagine there was a, a, a large weight in front of you. Okay, so Daniel, why don't you come up here? Daniel. Sorry to call you a large weight. You fit the bill. So, so imagine uh, Daniel was, um, was in your way. And you're going to need to move him. All right, and, um, and let's see. And Reens comes along, he was walking, and, and Daniel was in his way. What are you going to do, Reens? Uh, you're going to try to lift him. All right, go, Reens, try. All right, he, that's, that's a good try. So he realizes that, that he can't really do it effectively, so he gets some of his buddies. All right, so go, go call your buddies. Um, are you sure those buddies? Oh, okay, sure. Okay, come on, come on. Okay. You'll, this is a learning experience, guys. All right. So now they're going to work together. Okay, try to lift him. <laughs> okay. I go try. Just attempt. Don't drop him. This is synergy. They do it. Oh, okay. So, so they still realize, okay, the task is much greater than we thought. All right. So they look around and they think, uh, we need more buddies. There's more there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Big guy. There we go. All right. There's another. Yeah, let's go, Joel. Let's go. You too. All right. So then now they realize they talk. All right. Can you do this? Okay, I want you to hold him for 10 seconds. Ready? Okay, we count to 10, guys. All right, well done. All right, they carried him. Hey, hey, don't drop him, don't drop him. But you know, the, the greater the task, thanks, thanks, fellas, the greater the task, the more that needs to get involved. And this cause, this thing, this warfare, you know, it doesn't, doesn't just take the few. God's calling all of us to the work. He's calling all of us to the battle. And, and there's this thing, you know, there's a, there's a trend, there's team-ups now. Right? If you, you see any kind of um, latest thing, it's all about people teaming up. All right, um, years ago, we had the, the Heatles, right? The, the Miami Heat, right? Some of you basketball guys. Now we have the Golden State Warriors. Yay, five all-stars, right? But they team up. They're teaming up. And then over the course of history, there's been some duos, some dynamic duos. But they understood that working together, working together caused, 
caused them to do things more effectively. They were more successful. Working together allowed them to accomplish greater things. And, and we see, we see team-ups all the time in the Bible. Now, when Jesus came, He called 12 disciples. When, 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 when Paul was saved, God sent him people. He sent him Barnabas. He sent him uh, along with others. And, and here's what I'm saying. You know, we, we need each other. And we need to answer the call together to be able to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. And God is looking even today to form a team. You know, He's called that the church. And we are greater working together than the sum of our parts. And we know this through our gifts. Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. And we'll just read the first five uh, verses of this chapter. Uh, we're probably on the, one of the afternoon sessions. Look at the, the specific giftings in, cha in chapter 12, verse 6 downwards. But notice this. We know verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's the mentality that I could do this alone. That I could just go alone and be a lone ranger for the work of God. Listen, that doesn't happen. Uh, he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And here, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many, we're one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. And this concept that through our gifts, those measures of faith, if we get together, we can achieve more. He, he emphasizes this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And notice verses, verses 7 to 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. So he goes on and he goes through the list of different, different giftings. Notice verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So he's saying there that, that the body it needs to come together in its giftings. And you know, as you look around, and even if we just uh, section off just the young people here, you understand there's going to be a variety of, of measures of faith and gifts that they have. And they're going to be greater than the sum of their parts if they would just work together for the cause of Christ. If we would, they would just bring to the table what they have, then God will, will energize and enable that to be greater than the sum of their parts. But then also, not only through our gifts, but through our work. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we know these verses, verses 1 to 9, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. 
For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So he's saying there that there's some things I would love to tell you, but you know you're carnal and you can't take it. You know why? You know how I know? You're divided. You're following after this person and that person. You're, you're, not, you're, you're not united. You're, you're divided in your attempts to do church. And, and, and there we see, you know, the, the, our enemy works so hard to divide us. You know why? Because he understands the power of unity, and we need to understand the power of unity. We need to understand that God brings people together. Through, he brings our gifts to the table, but then He also causes us to work. Notice here, you go down. He says in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And so he's going through this and he's saying, guys, listen, you're carnal, you're divided, but, but you know, God wants to give the increase. And the way to do that is that we would labor together with God. To understand that we all have different roles. Someone waters, someone plants, but we all have different roles, but we're all trying to achieve the same thing. We're to work together and listen. If we would all just work, if we would all just labor, the, the, those who, have, uh, who have, will do valiantly for God, they are those who will walk with others to be able to accomplish a greater task. And we ought to do that. We ought to be valiant that way. You know, when we're all surrendered in our labor to work with each other, and, and we bring our gifts and surrender those to God, then here's what I'm saying. God's going to give the increase when we labor with Him. And we'll accomplish greater for Him. We'll do valiantly for the Lord. He says we. We will do valiantly. And listen, I don't know about you, but everyone wants, a part of a, wants to be a part of a winning team. Every, everyone wants to be part of something that's going to go down in the pages of history, perhaps. Everyone wants to make their lives count, but here's what I'm saying. If we're going to do that, if we're going to do valiantly for the Lord, then in the first place, we need to be surrendered. We're going to need to understand that we need God's power upon our lives. In the second place, we're going to need to understand that, that this isn't about us. We're doing this for others. And then in the last place, we're going to need to be around one another and have some unity and work together and accomplish the work that God has given us. And I wonder this week, young person, I wonder this week, church, if we would just, we would just surrender ourselves to what God would have us to do. I wonder if we would just lay it out there and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I, I don't know what I have to offer. I don't, I don't even really understand what my giftings are. But Lord, show me and then help me. Here it is, use me. Let me do valiantly for you. And the call that tonight, and the call this week, is will there be, will be, there be some of you, will there be any of you who will stand up and say, I'll do valiantly. I'll come and, and we'll do valiantly together. See, I'm, the part of, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. 
I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, leapt up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, prom- uh, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, and labor by His power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my guide reliable and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, and paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till He comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work till He stops me. And when He comes for His own, He will have no problem recognizing me. Is that you tonight? Are you part of that fellowship? Then I want to I challenge you. Come along. I want to challenge you. Surrender your life once again. When was the last time you came to a, an old-fashioned altar like this evening and just took some time to say, Lord, use me. Lord, there's been times where I've been distracted. Lord, there's been times where I've lived for myself. I no longer want to do that. I want to just lay my ambitions down. And Lord, I just want to work with others to accomplish your goal and your work. Is that you tonight? Because it's time. Will you do valiantly for the Lord your God? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you tonight and we just want to thank you, Lord, just for allowing us to to be here this evening. And Father, I just just know that, Lord, it's not in me that, that, Lord, your people need. Lord, it's it's your word. Lord, it's your your calling and your your working in our lives. So, Lord, I just, um, Lord, I surrender myself tonight ask that you do a work in, in my own life. and I pray that you'd, you'd help us, Lord, go before us this, this week. Lord, may it be a start tonight as we look to, look to be challenged through your word. I pray that you'd just prepare our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around.